I'm dropping the hammer. Grain, grain, grain. They're out there at your door. He's still out there. He's still there. He's still there. Still there, bumper clear. Coming to the white flag. the hammer we're dropping the hammer here monday july 22nd teddy ryquist how you doing today doing good ben how you doing man oh i'm ready for another race as i'm ben Sheeran, your host and yeah i mean what excitement we've gotten the last two weeks as nascar fans two solid races at tracks that we're usually not good used to good racing and um i mean talk about the finish kevin harvick and denny hamlin dueling it out didn't even look like Denny Hamlin would be able to catch Kevin Harvick, even though he had 20-lap fresher um, right-side tires. But, um, Teddy, what a great finish. We got another awesome finish uh, in the Cup Series this weekend. Sure did. First win for Stuart Haas in the last 21 races. Hadn't won since Texas last November. And Spire Motorsports no longer has more wins than than Stuart Haas this year. Yeah, that was probably the most interesting uh stat of the season by far but Kevin Harvick finally getting into the winner's circle this year I mean at this point last season he had six wins I mean though that, that was incredible uh, an incredible stat um just to get his first win um I mean talk about Kevin Harvick I mean I thought I'd always been an advocate saying he was a, still a championship contender he just hadn't found victory lane yet and you know, he's he's third in points right now, finally got that victory. We might see this four car go on a run now. We definitely could. You know, the four car and the 11 car, Denny Hamlin, I think, you know, maybe if this were any other track where he didn't have to touch a lobster, maybe he would have got the win. But, yeah, Kevin Harvick, that's got to be just a, probably a relief for him to just get that monkey off his back. And I, I agree. We could see him go on a run now. N- not quite the levels that he succeeded to last year, but be – uh a force to be reckoned with and advanced through each round of the playoffs. And one thing that I really liked about the finish is that how in their post-race interviews that both Kevin Harvick and Danny Hamlin uh, showed respect for each other and neither had hard feelings for the bump and run that Hamlin tried to put on Harvick and Harvick kind of used Hamlin up in turn four. Um, I, I love to see that, you know, I want to see hard racing. I thought both moves were, were fair for each other. And I thought it was something, um, Definitely that that caught my eye and I really liked, especially because I don't I don't think they hate each other, but I'm not I'm I don't think Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin are best buds out on the racetrack. Right. Yeah. It was it was some really good racing all day. Some of the best that this package has produced. Still not flawless, but that's probably an unrealistic expectation. It was a good day for the package, a really good day at New Hampshire. They're they're one cup day to year. So all in all, very positive. Yeah, it was a positive thing. Um I, I like the racing, um, and I think this is a, a topic of discussion we might just get into right now, but uh, I, I think something that now NASCAR has to work on now that it seems like the drivers are able to sort of make passing opportunities with a package that it was seemingly impossible to pass with, um, it's something they got to start working on tire wear. I mean, mm-hmm. that's Denny Hamlin should have easily been able to run down Kevin Harvick and had an opportunity to make the pass, but the tire wear was non-existent. Um, on a track that, you know, it's, I believe 2001 was the last repave at Loudon. So, I mean, that's the same, that's the same track surface in age 
as um, a Chicago land. So, I mean, yeah. it, there should be a lot more tire wear here, especially for a short track. Um, I'm, I'm really disappointed in the tire wear. Yeah, the, the tire wear, it was an interesting factor. And then there another another issue, I would say, were some more inconsistencies from the sanctioning body of NASCAR themselves. You know, Alamarola on that restart, that was pretty questionable, I thought. It certainly seemed like he brake-checked a good portion of the field. And then just with the enforcement of penalties, I thought Kyle Busch had a very clear-cut, uncontrolled tire that just they didn't even address. Maybe it was more than halfway through the pit box where you can get away with it, but it looked questionable to me. So once again, talking about we need more consistency from the decision makers in NASCAR. Yeah, I think the restarts the last two weeks have been pretty questionable. You saw on the initial start, guys were stacking up. I mean, NASCAR has to start. I, I have to say, I used to be an advocate of giving the restart box, letting the guy who leads the race start it up. But I mean, the last two weeks you've seen, uh, you saw Byron get a penalty because Clint Boyer kind of slowly took him to the green and Byron got ran over. But the initial start, guys were checking up and running into the back of each other before the race even started. And then you had Eric Almorola blatantly brake checking the oh, field. Yeah. And then once he got brake checked, he used that push just to take off. Um, so I think that should have been a black flag on Almirola just because it should have been addressed earlier in the race with um, Keselowski's initial start. So I agree with you. Um, yeah, they, NASCAR needs to start looking at the rules, specifically the restart policies, in my opinion, to um, make it more clear. Maybe just give it give the power back to the starter to restart the race. Yeah, and we'll get into it more specifically with Hendrick here. But uh, talking about you know Chevrolet, it was a it was a difficult day for Chevrolet in general, not just Hendrick Motorsports. All five of the Toyotas finished before the first Chevrolet. All five Toyotas were in the top eight. Kyle Busch was the last at eight. But the first Chevrolet was William Byron at 12th. It was just a, a disappointing day across the board. Yeah, Chevrolet, it, kind of, it just kind of sums up their past two years, just been very, very bad for that manufacturer as a whole. But, yeah, the, the Hendrick Motorsports cars, I mean, before they were having problems, None of them were even getting close up to the front. I mean, Alex Bowman found himself in the top 10 a little bit because of pit strategy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then talking about Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson is out of the playoffs, and it looks like he, he he's going to struggle to get in. I think he's going to need some uh, a quick turnaround to be able to get into the playoffs. But um, Hendrick, Hendrick across the board didn't have a good week, and – Jimmy Johnson struggling. Chase Elliott has been nowhere to be heard since his top five streak at Pocono in June. He's, he really hasn't even gotten close to a top 10. Chicago finished 11th, but, I mean, outside of him almost winning stage two, that race, he really hasn't been anywhere near the front. Yeah, Elliott's been very quiet, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think it was a pretty, pretty damning revelation for Hendrick that, you know, Bowman was, even though he – finished a couple spots behind Byron, probably the team's most competitive driver throughout the day. And he was doing it in Jimmy Johnson's backup car, his third car of the weekend. I mean, I thought that was a not not a great look for Hendrick. No, not a great look at all. And especially because we were hearing during the broadcast, I mean, that car wasn't even set up to Bowman's liking. You know, his, no. he was saying the, the throttle was too stiff. I mean, yeah, it, it was not a good look for Hendrick. I mean, just when you think they have it turned around and they're looking to be good, it going in the right direction two weeks in a row really they have not looked good um over in kentucky 
Uh, one of the brighter spots of the New Hampshire race is Matt Benedetto got his second top five of the year, fifth place finish. Um, beat Kyle Busch, but I mean, Matty D looked pretty solid throughout the day uh, during the third stage. Um, Teddy, you know, he's he's another guy. Him and Eric Jones have had their seats on the line with Christopher Bell kind of looming in the Xfinity series. Um, what do you think this performance does for not only Matt's confidence, but Bob Levine looking at, you know, maybe going a second year with uh, Matt Benedetto? Yeah, and, you know, I I said this on Twitter that, you know, this second top five for him, third top ten of the year, this is the best season that they're having in the team's nine-year history since they were formed in 2011. And you're right, Jones and DiBenedetto, two guys that have no doubt felt the pressure and responded incredibly well. What I would like to see happen here, because I think DiBenedetto's in the same boat as Jones. He's driving himself into a new deal. See um, LFR go to a two-car operation. I mean, because um, Christopher Bell, they're going to get him in the Cup Series somehow with Gibbs or a Gibbs-affiliated team. Maybe bring that 59 back, go 59 and the 95, and, uh, you know, keep Jones in the 20, because it can be done with Toyota funding, TRD. So that's what I would like to see happen. And, yeah, very good for Matt Benedetto. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think he's showing that he's getting stronger and he's getting more adapted with Mike Wheeler and the equipment. Um it takes time for guys to adapt to new rides. Um, you know, Martin Truex, he he had a pretty rough first five races of the year. And, of course, now, even though he hasn't been, you know, that good recently, uh, he's he's still one of the best in the sport. And for a guy like Matt Benedetto, this is some of the best equipment he's ever been handed to and, you know, the most funding and backing he's had. Um, it can be an adjustment. Um, I'm even thinking, you know, Eric Jones and Ryan Blaney, who got into new rides last year, seeing them, they're still going through growing pains right now. So I'd like to see if Matt Benedetto can continue to get more top tens, top fives. I'd love to see him get another shot at it. Um, and I don't think Eric Jones should be going anywhere in that 20 car. I think he should be getting a nice extension um, realistically for the Christopher Bell game. Uh, I think what they should do is, um, Joe Gibbs could should tell Christopher Bell, hey, hang on two years in a second Levine family racing car. You know, two years for the Cup Series, that's, it's, that's usually the roughest point mm-hmm. in their careers. They, especially nowadays, it takes young guys two to three years to really start um, being consistent. You're seeing that with Eric Jones right now. He's in his middle of his third year, and he's starting to really find his stride. So why not go to a lower fund team and maybe learn how to, to take care of your equipment more? And, and it's even showing the Levine family team is getting better. So maybe tell them, hang on two years, and maybe see, maybe Joe Gibbs can talk Denny Hamlin into early retirement or something. Or maybe Hamlin wins a championship and decides, hey, this is my time. I'm going to hang it up on top. So um, I, I think there's a solution there that involves both uh, Christopher Bell and Eric Jones at Joe Gibbs Racing. I think it's you just have to tell Bell, hey, be patient. You know, you're going to struggle in your first two years anyways because I think it's senseless to take Jones out of the 20 car right now when he's running really well, and you're basically going to set that team back for another two to three years while you have a rookie trying to adapt. I agree. It's it's going to be a very interesting, silly season. But, yeah, I mean, Christopher Bell, very accomplished in the Xfinity series, but you can't argue in any way, shape, or form that he's 
more accomplished or more qualified than any of the current four Joe Gibbs drivers. So I think that is the best solution for both. Go to Levine for two years. And yeah, who knows uh, what Martin Truex is going to be doing in two years, what Denny Hamlin's going to be doing. A lot can change. A lot can happen. New opportunities arise. And then, you know, Christopher Bell can slide in. So that's what I think should happen. And I think it's what's most likely to happen. Yeah, I think I think Joe Gibbs has learned his lesson with Joey Logano uh, with the 20 car. I yeah. actually got in a debate on this uh, last week that, you know, besides 2013, Matt Kenseth was outperformed every year by Joey Logano in the Cup Series. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's important for Joe Gibbs to remain patient with this. Um, I touched on it in that conversation, but Ryan Blaney also top five, Eric Jones top five. So, I mean, those – we. We talked about them. We we said they were our biggest disappointments, but in the second half of the season, both of them are showing great progress. Uh, talking about Blaney and Jones, they seem to be running around each other every single week. Um, they're getting better, but in the same sense, they're th- on the two top teams in the sport right now, and really none of them have been in serious contention to win a race. So um, I think we need to see more out of them still in the coming weeks. I think Jones is closer than Blaney to win, but – uh, yeah, I I still think they both have work to do. Yeah, I really like the progress we've been seeing from Jones and and Blaney to a lesser extent, but that's the next step certainly. They're they're starting to run better. The next step is going to be seriously competing for wins. And I agree. I think Jones is a little closer, but we've seen Blaney, you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat before. You know, Roval he got very lucky, but hey, a win's a win. So that's the next step for both those guys. Seriously compete for wins, not just run. You know, comfortably fifth to 10th to 12th actually get up in and compete for the wins that's the next step for both those guys uh it's interesting to note that eric jones first time he's had uh back-to-back top five since pocono and watkins gone last year coincidentally we're heading to pocono and watkins going for the next two races and ryan blaney he has uh looks like it's about three top tens in the last five races um two top fives in the last five races so improvements but then again i i don't see either of them yet being taking the next step and being you know an eliminator eight um candidate or you know being able to maybe sneak into the final four i just don't see that from them uh right just yet yeah probably not this year but you know two very young drivers and i think it's safe to say they'll probably each get there at least once in their careers for sure um Another interesting uh, thing coming out of the Xfinity race, actually, on Saturday, um, Paul Menard is now the new enforcer of the Xfinity series, apparently. Uh, he got into and wrecked uh, Harrison Burton late in the Xfinity race uh, because Burton apparently got into the side of him um, a couple times during the race, and Paul Menard didn't like that, so he intentionally wrecked him, but... Um, I think Harrison Burton comes out of there, that the winner. I mean, he looked extremely mature, didn't go up and try and fight Paul Menard, um, asked him what his problem was. They civilly discussed it. They both had agreed to agree, disagree, but I thought it was a, a growing moment for Harrison Burton. A lot of people who think shouldn't even be in his truck ride right now. I think that was a, a good moment for him in his career. I agree. I think Harrison Burton comes out of this looking better, too. You know, the only thing that would have made that any better or or worse, however you want to look at it, for Paul Menard would have been if he would have pulled the, the Natalie Decker and just tossed the hat afterwards. Because I, 
I, I didn't like Paul Menard really, uh, you know, what he did on the track or off of it. I thought, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Cup Series veteran. He runs a very select number of Xfinity races. And I didn't think Harrison Burton really got into him all that much. And for, for him to just dump him, I thought was uncalled for. And then he just kind of seemed uh, like he was very egocentric in that conversation with Burton after. And I think Burton looks a lot better and he looked more calm, cool, and collected growing moment for Harrison Burton and um you know it's uh something that unfortunately happens but he handled it about as well as he could have I'm going to read you some stats 455 starts one win 20 top 5s 67 top 10s for Paul Menard in the Xfinity series 220 starts three wins 43 top 5s 102 top 10s half half his Xfinity starts have been top 10s but that's that's not that's not the stats of a guy who should be going out and enforcing the cup way. Like, I I get it. Paul Menard, he's a 16 year veteran. He's been in the sport for a while. But I mean, it's like Stenhouse trying to say, "I'm gonna go get you, Eric Jones." Like, you guys aren't to be taken seriously. You know, you guys are running around in the back. Um, you know, it, Paul Menard tried to do the same thing to Chase Elliott back in 2014. It's a tra- it's a track New Hampshire is where it's so tough to pass no matter what series you're in that people are going to move each other out of the way. Um it's it was just like come on Paul like give him give the kid some a little flack there like he he didn't even run into him that much. No. I mean, it wasn't even worth wrecking him for. I think it just made Paul Menard look like a jerk and I'm sure he's frustrated because he's in really good equipment. And he really wasn't running up towards the front or a contender to win that race. Um, so I mean, come on, dude. Like Right, yeah. You need to you need to be able to like uh to back it up, you know. If you're gonna talk the talk, you need to be able to walk the walk. And his his stats at the cup level just don't justify him going out and doing that to an eighteen year old, a guy, you know, half his age or even even you know, less than half his age. It's just I thought it was very uncalled for and Harrison Burton's a winner, uh Paul Menard's a loser. Yeah, I mean, I said that uh, Ricky Stenhouse off the uh, off the show that Ricky Stenhouse is the new Michael Waltrip because he kept <laughs> winning plate races. But honestly, I could say the same thing about Paul Menard. I mean, the the stat for Michael Waltrip was one for four fifty two, and Michael Waltrip and Paul Menard. They, I mean, Paul Menard or Michael Waltrip has a little bit more top fives, but like. I mean, Paul Menard is probably going to be if he gets if he if he races thirty three years on the Cup Series, they would probably have just about the same stats. Paul probably having still that one win, but yeah, I I just thought it was a load of crap that Paul Menard decided, hey, I'm going to be the enforcer and I'm going to show these young kids what the Cup Series level does when, you know, he rarely even participates in the Cup races on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, maybe a few years from now we'll. When uh, Burton's in a cup ride, he'll he'll dump uh, Menard in a race, and but you know I'm still waiting for you know Bailey Curry to get back at True Experts too. So you know c- a couple of things here that still uh, still need to happen. Oh man, the the day that happens, that's gonna be a, uh, a very very a very very bad bad day for Bailey Curry. I think NASCAR might yank his license. Um, speaking of people going after each other, I mean go ahead and finish your thought i was just gonna say like i know truex getting into him was was a complete accident but it was just, i thought that was one of the 
the funnier moments of this NASCAR season. Oh yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. I mean, Truex Truex felt bad, but he's also like, man, this guy drives an absolute crap box of a car. Like, shouldn't be on the racetrack. I mean, it seems like the fifty one and fifty two get lapped ten times a race every week. Um, Andy Sice, like the guy who's like, well, I'm not going to take an Xfinity ride. I'm just going to take a cup ride. And he was in the way a couple of times. It's like, come on, dude. Like we, you know, it's one thing when you have good modified drivers in the race, like when back in the day, Ted Christopher and, you know, used to get good local new, new England guys in the cup series, which I don't mind that Austin Terrio. Yeah. He'd had a couple of Xfinity series races. So it's like, okay, you know, there, there you go. But, Come on, like all oh, these guys in the fifty one and the fifty two, they just they just they're in the way. I just like come on, NASCAR, like get some more qualified drivers out there. Um I was gonna say, speaking of drivers going after each other, Stenhouse is apparently going after Eric Jones, which is pretty interesting, uh little combination. Actually something came on Reddit. I'm trying to find it right now, but um apparently Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse are the drivers who wrecked the most the last three races, so or three years, excuse me. Um, so that that's kind of an interesting little uh, nugget that <laughs> to look out for. I think Stenhouse will end up wrecking himself a few times trying to get the Jones. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, I think Stenhouse being on top of that list comes to the surprise of no one. He's yeah, and when you know sometimes even when he's seems like he's trying to wreck guys he he can't do it so it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and yeah Ricky Stenhouse he's similar to what we were just saying about Paul Menard it's like do you really have the qualifications to be to be saying what you're saying right now and Stenhouse he's gonna you know try to be like Ryan Newman just be very difficult out there and sometimes he is but he certainly doesn't do himself a lot of favors with the things he does and the things he says after races look you know it's okay to race hard. Um, Ryan Newman obviously is the pinnacle of that, but Ryan Newman also has 18 wins in his career, not two at Daytona and Talladega. Um, I, I I know that's gotten Stenhouse a championship in the Xfinity series, but you know when it's early in the race, like Jones is saying, you know, be a little courteous to each other. And I get it, like that's that's what. People are saying that's the new NASCAR way that everyone races each other 100% during every part of the race, which I don't think is something you should do. I think you should let people go if they're pat faster than you. But, yeah, I mean, Stenhouse, Stenhouse trying to be Ryan Newman. I know that's his teammate, and I'm sure Newman has probably given him some pointers, but that's Ryan Newman versus Ricky Stenhouse. Newman, a guy who's had opportunities to win championships and Ricky Stenhouse, a guy who has to win a plate race to get in the playoffs every year. I mean, that's a huge difference right there. And to be talking like that to Eric Jones. I mean, I know Jones isn't really established in the cup series, but right. And we've been talking about how, you know, even though he's a favorite of the show, how Eric Jones has had definitely his share of struggles this year. And he's still going to be in the playoffs. Most likely Stenhouse most likely isn't. And he's been around longer. It's just like, you know, it's just not the right guy to be saying that that thing, especially when you have the reputation of wrecking yourself. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, kudos to Stenhouse for sticking up for himself. We'll see if he actually gets him back. Usually, when 
when people talk, oh, you know, I'm going to wreck someone, that they don't end up like how Truex said he was going to wreck Logano for the championship, and Logano just blew by him on the outside at Homestead. So it's it's usually just talk, but... Um, Get caught up in the, the moment a lot, and, you know, like it's, you know, they say these things right after a race, but, you know, a week goes by or a couple weeks, and they, they cool down and move on. Yep. So, um, moving on this week, we're going to Pocono, the tricky triangle. We'll see if we get a third straight race, um, third straight good race out of a track that usually the racing's not excellent at. I know the June race was definitely hailed as a a snoozer, but, um, the big deal is can anyone beat Kyle Busch? Three of the last five races he's won at Pocono. Um, he's won the last two races there and, um, with you know for the last four races we've seen new winners for this season but i mean i think kyle bush and that 18 team they're obviously the favorites going into this weekend yeah pocono raceway is not known for exciting finishes like you said the one that i can that i can recall off the top of my head and this was 20 years ago was jeremy mayfield and dale senior um but i do like someone other than kyle bush i like kurt bush you know he's slowly becoming one of my favorite drivers you know right up behind Truex now got a battle for a number one spot so I'm going to go with the number one Kurt Busch here I think he could could surprise and continue his strong runs at Chip Ganassi and hopefully we'll hear something regarding 2020 pretty soon as well yeah that's a that's a pretty good pick Uh, I know he won in 2016 uh, at Pocono um, I'm going to go with the trend of a fifth straight new winner for this season. And I'm, I'm going Eric Jones. I mean, I think he's, he's had two third place finishes in a row. Um, he's got three top fives of the last five races at Pocono average finish 9.6 and he's desperate to get a win. I mean, I think he's almost at the point where, you know, he's probably safely pointing his way in. He's 27 points above the cut line. So I don't expect him to play the stage game um, this week, but I think he's going to have a strong run, and I think he's going to be desperate to win. And he's going to deliver. It's going to be, it's going to be a make or break race, I think, for Eric Jones, and I think he's deliver. Um, who do you got this week for your eliminator? Eliminator, um, you know, Ryan Priest got the job done fairly well for me last uh, last week. Came in twenty first. Um, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace this week. He he came in twenty first here in the June race. Um, his four career starts at Pocono, average finish is not very good, 29.5. But I feel like we've been seeing some real progress from Bubba lately. He's starting to run better. Even though he wasn't happy with how Kentucky ended, I still think the last three races have been a step in the right direction for Bubba Wallace, and I'm going to go with him as my eliminator and hope he can keep it going here at Pocono. Yeah, he's he's been running well at times during the races. He's just have a, having a tough time um, putting races together, which – Obviously, it's big, you know, where you finish is where you finish. Um, so I, I agree with you. Um, I think there's an opportunity for him to get better at this week's track. It'll be interesting to see if he delivers with that. Um, I'm going for a little bit of an outsider pick. My outsider pick at Ross Chastain worked. He finished 25th like he did last year at New Hampshire, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, but I'm going to go with David Reagan. Um, I'm looking to get a top 20 finish out of him. He's got two top 20 finishes um, in the last three races, uh, he finished 30th in, um, June, but he finished 19th and 16th in 2018. Um, it has an average finish of 22.5 in the last five races. 
So um, I'm not looking for anything huge out of him, but I I think this is one of his better tracks outside of the plate races. So I'm, I'm going to hope I see if I can get a top 20 out of David Reagan. I like that pick. And kind of one thing that I just wanted to touch on, and we didn't even really talk about this uh, before the show, but it's Austin Dillon. You know, he's kind of got a weird situation going on with Dow. It sounds like they're back for 2020, but they just don't want to do anything else this year. But Austin Dillon, he's also been, you know, I would say struggling pretty mightily lately. So what do you think is going on with the three team there? I don't know. Um, I thought Austin Dillon might be a guy that could turn a corner. I think it's just tough with Chevrolet that they've just not not been up to par with the, yeah. um, with the Camaro. But oddly enough, last year at the August po- Pocono race, both Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon in the RCR clan got in the top 10 and Austin Dillon also ran well in Michigan. So I think this could be a bounce back week for that team. If they're able to um, stay out of trouble, it just seems like Austin Dillon just gets himself into into situations that um, just with bad luck. He had to cut down tire in New Hampshire. He was running solid at Kentucky. Um, I, I think he finished up in the, in the top 10 at Kentucky. Um, yeah, he finished ninth. So, I mean, they, they've been running better at the mile and a half. Um, or actually he finished 20, he finished 35th. Never mind. Yeah. He was in an accident, um, at Kentucky, but it seems like their speedway stuff is pretty well qualifying wise. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue to, um, continue to be able to, uh, to, um, to progress. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, um, maybe stays out in the stages and gets points. I think, it's going to be really interesting just looking at the points of guys who might stay out and try and get the stage points. Kyle Larson won both stages uh, in June, and I, I think for sure that's going to be the way Jimmy Johnson goes. I think he's going to stay out yeah. and get those stage wins and stage points because he needs them. Daniel Suarez, he's pretty good at Pocono. I think we're going to see that out of him. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this race is won't, uh, run because I think we're going to see – people come to pit road before pit road closes at the stages and other guys who are close to the cut line or below the cut line, they're going to play the stage point game. That's a really good point. I remember the Pocono race in, in early June, this, the strategy was a huge part of that race. And yeah, Jimmy Johnson, Suarez, Boyer, guys like that, they're going to need to go for it. They're going to, you know, they can't really afford to take the, the conservative approach, try to, you know, pit toward the end with an eye and winning the race. It's like, you got to take every point you can get right now. So that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, you know, guys who didn't have good days. You know, Kyle Larson finished 26, but he still got 31 points that race by winning the two stages. So, I mean, that that's equivalent to, let's see, Denny Hamlin finished sixth and had 31 points. So, I mean, that's big right there. You could, you could have a bad finish. And still, if you were able to pick up two stage wins, that's 10 points on top of whatever you're going to get. So maybe you'll finish 10th, but hey, doing the math right there, that could potentially be 50 points you can pick up in a race just on stages and uh, your race finish. Yeah, the opportunity is there. And, you know, as, as we creep ever so closely toward the end of the regular season, some of these guys are really going to need to make it happen. Jimmy Johnson, probably the best example of that. And I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we'll see this weekend at Pocono if the drivers are able to deliver again, have another fantastic race at a track that, like we said, has had some snoozers of races. Um, after that, 
we got some Watkins Glen. I'm sure we're just going to see the Chase Elliott finish over and over repeated that week. Uh, even as a Chase Elliott fan, I'm going to probably get tired of that. So feel free for a lot of Chase Elliott circle jerking next week on our Watkins Glen show, and we'll catch you next time on Drop the Hammer.